Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with hosts Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polachek. Produced by Kernan Consulting and for the international MSP community, we are dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hey there, this is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the Mastermind Peer Groups. So with the Mastermind Peer Groups, you get a powerful combination of customized coaching, accountability, and weekly synergy sessions with like-minded professionals from all around North America. These peer groups are really focused on sales, marketing, and growth. It's all about results. So I am your personal group facilitator, and you'll experience weekly accountability meetings, monthly trainings, and then quarterly face-to-face meetings where we all get together on a quarterly basis in fun cities all around America. So be prepared to take your business to new heights and see if you've got what it takes to be one of the Mastermind Peer Group members. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. At least it's morning when James and I record this on Mondays. And uh, how you doing, James? Doing good. Doing good. Do you notice anything different about me today? I- I, I know I'm a little jealous of your tan, like my summer tan <laughs> is completely gone now. I'm just, you know, matching the snowy weather that we have, but uh, you're, you're looking, you're looking tan. You obviously escaped. Deep, dark tan. Yeah. It, uh, I escaped the frozen tundra of the Midwest. Uh, perfect timing. So uh, you did out. time that perfectly, you know, like the whole country went into a deep freeze and James was in Hawaii. Right. <laughs> yeah. the morning it hit yeah the morning it hit so uh perfect pretty lucky pretty lucky but yeah good good stuff good stuff so um yeah that uh, that conference went well there was a an mssp sales and marketing workshop i uh, elected to go speak at i did realize the the perfection of my timing but uh, it was <laughs> nice just to get out of the cold but you know met a lot of great vendors uh, great content uh, really good people, and it was really a fantastic experience. So it was on the North Shore at Turtle Bay Resort, which is mm-hmm. a five-star uh, facility up there on on the private side of, of Oahu, which uh, Honolulu's on the southern side. It's where the airport is, but uh, it was up there for over a week and um, kind of mixed a little business with pleasure, but just met some amazing people. It was a lot of fun. Good, good. I uh, It's nice to be able to get away it's nice that it was out of the city too Honolulu's yeah. a huge city as I understand I haven't been there but you know that's yep. the, the big city of Hawaii big city of Hawaii a lot of and a lot of things there a lot of history you know there's Pearl Harbor you know we saw some exhibits there uh the Dole factory Dole pineapple mm-hmm. uh you know that was interesting uh, you know squeezed in a luau and and then just a, a lot of different cultures from all the surrounding islands there. So a lot of fun. Nice. Well, give some give some props, James. Who was this conference for? It was uh, uh, it was sponsored by Fornix Marketing, uh-huh. and then it was really cybersecurity focused. <laughs> so there were some cool vendors there, uh, folks like Ascent Portal, uh, Val King was there. I, I know Val real well. Um, they had um, uh, Cipher. Uh, which is an up and coming more of a pen test uh, cipher uh, with S X I P H E R. So uh, 
Christoph mm -hmm. Riglet, uh, that company is really taking off. It's a, a great pen test tool. So those guys uh, were there presenting. Um, uh, there were some other other cybersecurity focused vendors, but those were the two that really stood out to me. But good good time, and it was really focused for the MSSP, you know, the security minded managed service provider. Nice. And it was in our favorite. You know, it was kind of a small, intimate. It was less than fifty people. So you really got a chance to talk to people and participate and share. And and as you and I have talked about, we, you know, that's our kind of conference. Yep. James and I love the small conference and um, because of the quality, the quality always seems like it's higher at the smaller events, yeah. less, less glitz, more networking and quality time between the vendors and the attendees and really getting a chance to to get to know everybody and build those really valuable lasting relationships. So there was an interesting question of the week. Did you want to jump onto that topic? That was a, an interesting one, I thought. Yeah. So the question of the week is, what's the best business structure for an MSP starting up today? Yeah. And uh, this is a great question because it changes over time. You know, when I started my MSP, um, I thought that LLC was the way to go. And uh, and then after that, I went and visited with my CPA and he said, no, 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 no. We, <laughs> we, you need to be an S Corp. And so, so we yeah. had to quickly close that LLC and reform as an S Corp. And now there are so many options of you know, S-Corps operating as LLCs and, you know, the, the world has sort of opened up the options of how you can, how you can manage it. But yeah. my big advice, regardless of, you know, what our articles might be telling us is be sure to meet with your CPA before you sign that, that bottom line and don't make the mistake that I did. It wasn't too painful, but still it was like, oh, I goofed, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you can change it. You know, once you set up your entity, you can upgrade, downgrade, whatever you want. And, uh, and you brought up a, a really, really good point. You know, first and foremost, always talk to your CPA because these, the rules change and um, it really depends on what you want your business to do. Uh, I always, my old rule of thumb was that <clears throat> I've experienced with all the entities. If, if you have like an umbrella company where you're going to have multiple companies underneath it, to me, a C-Corp makes more sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of complexities there. And, and you also have potential double taxation challenges. So you want to bonus money out of the C-Corp instead of holding lots of cash in the business to avoid the double taxation. The general rule of thumb, like Amy said, the S-Corp, I think is always the best option for MSPs today. Uh, and then the LLCs were more of the um, kind of like a little holding company for a business. Maybe it owns a real estate property and you just want to operate at a nonprofit. You know, it's kind of just it's there and you're not driving lots of revenue through it. It's uh, it just kind of sitting there. LLCs, <clears throat> they're a little bit less expensive to maintain, uh, and, but they're easier. You know, there's not as much annual paperwork uh, with those as well. So, but the big thing I think is the taxation part and 
S-Corps, you get taxed at your personal tax rate and just makes it a lot easier. Um, yeah, and the, uh, there's a little bit of a difference in the, the um, legal protections too once you have employees. And if you're an MSP, you're intending to have employees, so be sure that you bring that up as well with your your accountant. And and actually, you know, your accountant and your lawyer may have different opinions on this. <laughs> so so you might you might want to actually meet with both. Um, you know, the lawyer is going to be concerned about your potential liabilities and which which form is is best for that. With you know, they see it from the courtroom perspective. And the accountant's going to see it from the tax perspective. And then right. you, as the owner, get to make the decision of which one's going to be your priority. <laughs> right. Legal protection, which uh, S Corp, C Corp are, are good ones. And then I, I really like what you said a moment ago that, you know, the best one is the S Corp. You know, that was, that's what made sense for you. And, you know, same thing for, for myself. So. Yeah, I don't find the, you hear a lot about, you know, the overhead that it takes, and I don't find it to be particularly onerous. You do have to have an annual meeting of your S-Corp shareholders, yeah. um, you know, which can be you and your partner, whoever. Um, and you get to hold that meeting wherever you like. So, you know, take yourself out to a nice dinner and hold your annual meeting. <laughs> good, good, um, good. <laughs> yeah, a little, little insider tip there. And, uh, you know, so it's not, not a big deal. You just take minutes and you file it away. And, and that's, that's really the, the only little extra tidbit that you have to, you have to take care of. Just a one, one page form, the meeting minutes to, to keep track of annually. And, and that's it, but it's, to me, it's well worth it, you know, from a tax savings standpoint, and then the additional, a veil of protection that's over you being a corporation. So yep. great question. Great question. Thanks for bringing that up. Yes. Thank you. Keep those questions coming. We love them. I'm sure by now everybody's noticed all the, all the news is about layoff, 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 layoff. Being on the optimistic side, I'm always like, well, why are these companies laying off people? Like, you know, everywhere I look, seems like everybody's doing well. The stock market's going Zerko crazy high and, um, you know, in, uh, inflation is down and, you know, everything's looking pretty good. What's with all the layoffs? And as I read down into it, it was like, these are really targeted layoffs. We're not kind of seeing that broad layoff of, um, you see, you see the really large companies do those broad layoffs periodically anyway, where they'll be like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, 10,000 gone, you know, and that's a, that's a small percentage of what they have. So it's not a big impact to the company, to the individuals it is, but not to the company. Right. Um, and so this time it's not like huge, it's not like huge numbers. They're very targeted layoffs. And I noticed that a lot of it's in the channel partner uh, program end of end of the business, which I find really interesting. That is a huge signal that um companies are changing, going to be changing the way that they approach the channel um, and definitely feeling like they've got too many people on staff in that area. So they're trimming. Yeah. It's, I think it's those big, big companies in the channel that um, are uh, just being extra conservative. It's interesting. The, uh, 
the economic indicators that came out last week here in January have really helped the stock markets. You know, so the the markets are are strong. The indicators are better than they thought. So that's an optimistic thought. But these big entities, and I don't know, maybe they had a little bit of too much fat around the belt anyway. But they were talking about you know Broadcom, uh, who who uh, uh, recently purchased uh, VMware, were you know laying off people. You know, and that makes sense. You know, when you acquire another entity. Uh, you mm -hmm. you want to lay off some people, but big the mm -hmm. big ones like the Google, Amazon, Splunk, LinkedIn, SecureWorks, uh, Intel. You know those are um, all entities that are continuing to lay off people. So it's good news for us in the channel because that means there's more people available from a recruiting recruiting standpoint. And Amy, I'm sure you see the same thing inside your peer group community, your customer base. But you know, most every one of my clients are are hiring people right now, and it's a lot easier to hire good people today than it was a year ago at this time. So that's good news for us. You know, it's funny when the economy is really doing well, there aren't as many people looking for jobs, and that make you would think that makes it difficult to hire, but it actually makes it my experience makes it easier to hire quality people right uh, when the economy is down there's tons of people in the market looking for jobs but it's hard to find the diamonds in the pile right, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so it's interesting you know you, you sometimes you you think wow we got we got 200 resumes in you know and the next time you know we only got 25 resumes in but it's all about the quality and now it does seem like a good time to hire really quality people. Yeah, and that, that's a great point because there's uh, uh, more and more people that I work with are, are growing and they're hiring more of like middle level management, more leadership in their in their business. They're not hiring just a, a level one tech or a sales assistant. It's, it's uh, higher level people, you know, level mm -hmm. three, level four engineers. <laughs> Or, or management figureheads. And um, just like you said, there's more and more quality people available. So I'm I'm encouraged by that for sure. You, you know what else um, I've seen inside? We always talk about the, the worldwide economy, the national economy, and then our own economy. And inside our vendor community, this is something that plays into what we were just talking about earlier about the smaller events more and more of our channel partners that I work with inside the current consulting, the mastermind communities, they're coming, more and more vendors are coming to me saying that they're attracted and they want to do more uh, events with the smaller groups, meaning the, the events where there's 50 people instead of the events where there's 1500 people. Yeah. They're just not seeing return <clears throat> on investment. And I think more importantly, the feedback I'm getting is, they're not forming the relationships that they want to form at these huge events. So I've had three vendors this year come to and have said to me that they're, they have a focus this year in 2024 that they want to do more, align themselves with more peer groups, more of, of the events that are a little bit smaller and more intimate. So I, I thought that was something interesting to share as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. you and I have always noted those are our favorite events anyway. Yeah. And um, from the vendor perspective, it they should also be their favorite events because 
um, when you have, when you feel like you have a relationship with a vendor, right? You've gone from being a number in their program to actually, you know, knowing some people over there by name and getting to know some folks, that's a vendor you're gonna continue to use for the next decade, yeah. right? That's a, that's a long time recurring sale for them. Uh, and uh, you also are much more likely to become a cheerleader for that vendor. So yes. I can definitely see where the, the small events where, where their vendors are focused on developing those relationships, that's a much more valuable uh, use of their time than it is to to go to a you know fifteen hundred five thousand ten thousand person event where um, you know they themselves are just a number in the <laughs> in the in the vendor hall that we don't have time to spend with because it's so vast and we feel like we need to get around and and see what's what in the world right and right. so so as an attendee you don't feel like you have the time to spend with them. And that that just can't result in good quality leads, um, you know, for for those vendors. And the, those events, the smaller events, uh, one of my favorite things to do, a little best practice, and and some of you might laugh at this. I'm I'm an extrovert, right? So I like talking to people, but I'm also a human being, and I've got friends, and naturally I want to sit at the same table for every social function and sit by my friends right? Mm -hmm. That's most comfortable. Like Amy, if you and I were there, I naturally I would want to sit with you and talk with you each break that we had, but I always challenge myself to think a little differently. And I want to on purpose, just sit at a different table and sit next to different people to force me to have conversations with people that maybe I wouldn't normally. And whether it's the meals or the breaks or the other social activities, and you meet some amazing people that way. You know, those are those are some of my favorite part of these events that that we're talking about is these uh, the networking opportunities where you get to know other people. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. You and I are are the opposite ends of the spectrum because I am definitely an introvert, um, but I do do the same. I force myself and I I can't do it for every activity, mm-hmm. but I often do it around meals. You know, I'll go and mm-hmm. I'll sit at an empty table and wait for people to show up to eat with me at this table, right? And uh, because, you know, generally all the tables in a room, a room fill up and, you know, and and when they do, you know, just reach out and introduce yourself and, you know, just see what, what happens to the conversation. Often they come to the table in twos or threes. So, um, You know, they're with they're with their they're with their group, and you know, you can just introduce yourself and get to know some some new people. So interesting things happening in the in the channel for sure. So again, it's a great opportunity for recruiting, and uh, you know, you guys should take advantage of that if you're looking for good people here in 2024. Yep. So um, I have taken up a new a new thing in LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, which I, I love LinkedIn for news because I find it to be very balanced and kind of out of the fray of the political, you know, melee that's going on in the world. Um, for some reason, people on Facebook have done a very good job of just keeping it it focused, you know, as for its business purpose, which is nice. 
Um, but, you know, what I'm doing is uh, kind of collecting the good news that I see <laughs> in, in the world because um, media loves to publish bad news. It, it probably gets more clicks, right? <laughs> And so, so it tends to overwhelm stuff. When I see something positive, you know, like the the you know new highs in the stock market or whatever, still business focused. But when I see positive things, I'm collecting those articles and then posting them on Friday, you know, and I tag them with the Good News Friday. So, um, so if you want to catch up on what's going what's going well in the in the economy in the business world. Look for my look for my post on Fridays because I'm putting them together for you. And um, so far, it's been been pretty pretty well received too. All right, so we've uh, we're here. The the year's already taken off in 2024. What have you got? Any other travel plans coming up or going to any events here in Q1? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be at um, Dave Seibert's SMB Tech Fest in February. It's February 8th and 9th. I'm giving two yeah. sessions out there. Uh, one is on um, Microsoft Defender XDR, and um, it will not be a technical session, but I am going to sort of go over the, what the major components of it are so that if you're not familiar with Microsoft's uh, detection and response solution, you'll at least you know get the, the overview of what it includes. And then I'm going to talk about you know how we can position that in our in our MSPs. Uh, and then the second session I'm going to give is a technical session. It's a breakout on conditional access. And mm. um, so we're going to talk about the different types of conditional access, and I'll introduce you to the conditional access templates that are available so you can get it set up pretty quickly and easily. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, those are always great events. I think uh, I'm I'm going to be speaking at the Q2 SMB, you know, the Tech Fest. So the Tech Fest event, I think that the Q2 events in May, and I'll be talking about EOS again uh, as your business blueprint for success, and then also mergers and acquisitions is a, another topic that seems to be coming up a lot inside uh, my circles. So hopefully I'll see you in Q2. Any any plans of going back to Tech Fest in Q2, Q3, Q4? I think I'm going to do Q4. So okay. one and one and four. Um, hey James, let me ask you a question about EOS. Um, I have heard people express the opinion that EOS is difficult to do for a small business. Well, what size of a business do you think you need to be before you can really do EOS effectively? Um, I would I would say anywhere from uh, five employees or more, you know, okay. so a true small business, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I think that's big enough to implement this blueprint, you know, and, and get the most out of, out of people. And then it goes all the way up. I mean, the largest EOS implementation I did was for a, a $500 million tech company. So, uh, you know, it's really for businesses of, of all sizes, you know, if you're an owner operator and, you know, just one person or two people, you know, I think some of the fundamental exercises like creating your dashboard and tracking your goals on a weekly basis, you know, a couple of those things I think are good, but I maybe wouldn't implement it until you have at least five people. Yeah, I think the book is good for everyone to read. 
yeah. because of those because of those organizational concepts and a, a lot of tech people it doesn't come naturally to them how to do those things so um, definitely definitely everyone should read the book um, <clears throat> which is called traction actually yeah. and uh, um, and then yeah you know, decide decide whether implementing it's actually if it's the right time in your business to to implement the full system or you know just address the concepts in a, a way that that fits the the business of where you're at today yeah yeah i'm hearing more and more at different events about eos so i'll be speaking about eos at the q2 tech fest and then mna and and uh, eos as well so hopefully i'll see you at the uh, q4 event as well all right and then I've got a I've got a mastermind event coming up in Austin, Texas. We're actually holding it. Uh, remember how we talked about uh, you know working closer with strategic partners and and making events more of an experience. And mm -hmm. uh, so we're we're holding our Q1 event in Austin, Texas at the Ninja One headquarters in downtown Austin. That's fantastic. That's so smart from Ninja's point of view. And yeah. uh, a great, great thing for your your attendees too. Yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes tour, we get to meet with their executives, their help desk, their sales teams. You know, we've got uh, some really cool things lined up, and then we get an opportunity to experience uh, downtown Austin, Texas, which is some of the best barbecue in the world, by the way. <laughs> so looking, <laughs> looking forward to that. So. Uh, That'll be a good time, but we'll drop links to uh, those events up in the, the show notes up on the, the site. So you guys are all invited to attend those events. Those are great events. Uh, if you've never attended, um, we'd love to see you there. Well, James, I think we've used up our time for today. Yeah. And uh, it was really great to to chat with you. I'm a little jealous that you went to Hawaii, but I'm, I'm glad <laughs> glad you're back. Yep. Back safe and sound, and uh, good, good times, good times. All right, uh, thanks, Amy. We'll we'll see you see you next week then.